It was about 20 years after the resurrection. The Apostle Paul found himself in the city of Corinth, and there he preached the gospel. And in response to the preaching of the gospel, men and women and children turned to God in faith. And there a church was established, the church at Corinth. But of all the churches we read about in the New Testament, of all the churches that the Apostle Paul was a part of starting or at least encouraging, the church at Corinth was his problem child. It was the one church that seemed to surpass all others in problems, in difficulties, in bad theology, on and on it went. So much so, we know Paul wrote at least three, maybe four letters to the Corinthian church, two of which we have preserved in the New Testament, both lengthy letters in which Paul just works through problem by problem by problem, correcting their beliefs, their lifestyle, their misunderstanding, their attitudes. The Corinthian church was his problem child. We come to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we read about one of the issues Paul addressed. Let me read it for you again, at least the first five verses, and just listen for the concerns on Paul's heart for this church at Corinth. 1 Corinthians 3.1, Paul says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? It's been anywhere from four to seven years since Paul established the church at Corinth. He spent a year and a half there preaching the gospel, teaching them the faith, and then he continued on in his missionary journeys. But now four to seven years later, he's gotten word that the Corinthian church continues to struggle, continues to be problem-filled. And we see examples of it in these verses. There is jealousy. There is strife. There is division in which some in the church say, Apollos is the key to our church, I follow him. Others say, Paul is the key to our church, I follow him. And Paul will go on in this text to say, you're both wrong. We're servants of God. God is the one who causes the growth in his church. You ought not be aligning your allegiances before men, but only to God. But really what Paul sees there and states is the jealousy and the strife and the division are symptoms of a deeper problem. The deeper problem is that they're still infants in Christ. And now Paul says, that was not a problem in the beginning. For we are all born again into the kingdom of God as infants. Whether you were baptized as an infant or a young adult, or an older adult, we all are baptized as babes in Christ who need to hear the milk of basic teachings of the faith. Paul says, because of that, I taught you with milk early on. 
because that's where you were. You were new in the faith. But here, years later, Paul says, it's a problem that you're still an infant in the faith. If we had an infant, we would celebrate the birth, the new life. We would rejoice at every time the infant said a word or tried to take a step. But if that infant remained an infant over the years, we would be gravely concerned. We would be sure that something was wrong. And that's Paul's concern for the Corinthian church, that the fact that they are still infants in Christ indicates there is something seriously wrong. And so he calls them to grow up. He says at this point, you ought to be maturing in your faith. But the reality is, you're like any other human, any other fleshly person. You are in your beliefs, in your attitudes, in your behavior. You are no different than those who do not have the Spirit of God. Though you ought to be spiritual, you're living merely human, just like those who do not know the love of Christ. There ought to be a difference in you by now. You ought to be maturing in the faith. The writer of Hebrews makes the exact same point. He says this in chapter 5, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Paul began them on basic teachings in the faith, but years later he expects them to be ready for solid food. It's time to grow up. There are a variety of reasons believers do not grow up in the faith. A variety of reasons they do not mature in the faith, but remain as infants right where they are. Uh, let me address just two of those this morning. One is a misunderstanding of grace, and the other is a misfocus in the wrong place. Let's talk about the misunderstanding first. One of the bright lights in the book of 1 Corinthians, it comes in the very first verses. Paul writes to a church that he knows is messed up, is full of problems, that is, is putting up with immorality, whose doctrine is off. They have more problems than any other church he's dealt with, and yet, listen to how Paul addresses them. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. And throughout the book, again and again, he calls them saints. They are saints not because they've achieved a certain level of maturity in Christ, not because they've checked off several requirements on a man-made list in order to be designated a saint. They are saints because they have been baptized into Christ and united to him. That the blood of Christ cleanses them from their sin, that they are forgiven and declared right before God. And so in spite of their sin, Paul calls them saints, forgiven in the gospel. It's tremendous good news for anyone who struggles with sin. 
but a misunderstanding of grace now assumes that because I'm forgiven, perhaps growing up doesn't matter so much. I mean, yeah, it would be nice to mature in the faith. It would be nice if I got to a place where perhaps I could teach someone else about the basics of the faith. But it's all grace. It's all good. And yet here's what's not good. It's true. Your sins are forgiven for the sake of Christ. It's true. But it's also true there are consequences to your sin. Not that God records in heaven and holds against you, but there are consequences for your family. There are consequences for your neighbor. There are consequences for your church. There are consequences for the world. Let me give you just one example. Fathers who are addicted or absent or angry, they are forgiven in Christ. And yet the consequences of their lack of maturity in Christ will have, will reverberate through generations as their kids and their grandkids suffer the consequences of their sin. Grace says, yes, you are forgiven of no merit of your own. But grace also says, because you are free from trying to justify yourself before God, you can now love your neighbor. And the best way to love your neighbor is to grow up in Christ, to become the person God desires you to be. The gospel gives us the freedom to grow up in Christ. So a misunderstanding of grace will stunt your growth, but also a wrong focus will stunt your growth as well. It, it perhaps can't be helped. I suspect many of you as children, your parents had a little place, maybe in the closet, maybe on the door, going into the kitchen, where they made you stand up there nice, big, and tall, and they marked your height, maybe wrote a little date next to it, and we celebrated that somehow you stayed alive in the past year and you grew two inches. When it comes time to growing up, it is human nature to now look inwardly to see how we can mark our progress, to focus on ourselves and our progress. I mean, folks, today, we don't just have college graduations or high school graduations. We have kindergarten graduations. In school, we keep track of your grades and mark your progress in the class. We mark progress in every way imaginable. It's the most human and natural thing to do. If you want to grow and develop and become someone you are not currently, the most natural thing is to mark progress. I suspect, well, in fact, I know for a fact, Pastor Tim running his race yesterday, he had three watches. Because when you run 52 miles, the battery runs out. So uh, he had to keep changing watches to make sure he had his watch. Why? Well, it, it marked his time. He would know, is he on pace to finish before they close the course? It marked his current pace. He would know, am I running too fast or am I running too slow? It told him how far he had progressed in the race. It's the most natural thing in the world. But listen to what the writer of Hebrews says when he uses the image of a race. He says, I urge you now to lay aside every sin and encumbrance that so easily entangles you and run with endurance 
the race before you. Grow up in Christ, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. See, God's wisdom and God's truth is contrary to the world's wisdom. The world's wisdom would say, if I'm going to run 50 miles or even 5 miles, I need to check my progress. But God says, no, you fix your eyes on Jesus. Well, how far are we going to run as far as Jesus leads us? How fast are we going to go as fast as Jesus wants you to go? What path are we going to run down? Whatever path Jesus leads you down. Focus is to be on Christ, not on our progress or whatever measure we use to think that we're making progress. And this is important. It's important that you know if you are going to mature in the faith, if you are going to grow up in Christ, that you fix your eyes on Jesus because... Because if you, if you seek to mature in your faith, you will be opposed. It will be like some friends have told you, hey, do you know what? If you exercise, you will feel better. You'll have more energy. You will enjoy life. I trust some of you have heard that from a friend, haven't you? And yet what happens? After years of inactivity, you choose an intense exercise regimen, and two days into it, how are you doing? You don't feel better. You feel worse. Your body aches. You don't have more energy. You are exhausted. And, and if your focus is on checking your progress for how you are doing, you will conclude, eh, exercise doesn't work for me, I'm out of here. Back to the couch where I used to feel decent, right? But your sinful nature, your flesh is opposed to you growing up in Christ. And so as you walk down that path, you will face opposition. When you decide you need to deal with your problem with anger, the first thing you're going to discover is it's a way bigger problem than you ever imagined. When you start paying attention to just how often and what circumstances you get angry in, you'll discover you had no idea how big of an issue it was. And it will feel like, I'm not making progress, I'm getting worse. You're not getting worse, you're just more aware of how bad the situation is. And yet, when we grow up in the faith, we never outgrow the gospel. In fact, as you begin to see just how bad the situation is, you begin to see even more how great the gospel is. When you're an infant in Christ, you know, you know that Christ died for you. And yet, you know he took your sins to the cross with him. But as you mature in the faith, rather than being kind of like the Christian Superman, you actually become more aware of just how deep and how broad and wide sin is in your life. You become more sensitive to things that never bothered you before, but now you realize are displeasing to God. 
And yet as you go down in their understanding of sin, you realize the sins that Christ took to the cross weren't just these little ones and kind of some mistakes you made. They were much bigger than that. They, you knew you couldn't maybe carry that load, but you had no idea that that load would absolutely crush you flat, and yet your Savior took it for you. As you mature in Christ, the cross looms larger and larger and larger in your life. Well, do we have time for another sermon? Because that's probably what it's going to take to wrap this up. Probably not. Let me say this. If you get a good understanding of grace, you realize grace doesn't lead to laziness. It leads to the freedom to pursue Christ-likeness. When you get the right focus on Christ, you do not grow discouraged when the road gets hard. But really, growing up in Christ is not that complicated. It really just takes good nutrition, which we get from the Word of God, and exercise, which we get by walking in the Spirit. Now, we, don't, we would need another sermon to develop that more fully. So let me do this. Let me try to help you out. As people mature in the faith, they grow more humble, less quick to speak, less assured they know all the right answers. And at the same time, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand here. If what it takes to grow in Christ is, is, is to grow in our understanding and our intake of the Word, to hear it not just as words but as God's living Word that actually strengthens our faith, and if we're to learn what it means not to grieve or quench the Spirit but to walk in the Spirit and be filled with the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit, it really helps to hear from someone who's a few steps ahead of you. And so now I'm going to ask some of you to identify yourself. And I know I'm not asking, could you get up here and give a sermon on this topic or even lead a Sunday school class. What I'm going to ask you is if a friend came to you and said, hey, could you help me maybe understand how to begin to read the Bible? Could you, could you just tell me about maybe your spiritual life a little bit? Like, what does that even look like? If you could maybe respond and maybe talk for a minute or two or three, I want you to raise your hand. This isn't bragging, this is just saying, yeah, I, I could probably talk for a couple minutes. Okay, good. The reason I say that is this. I want you to grow up. I want you to grow up in the faith. And the reality is, folks, all of us are pretty young in the faith. Paul wrote a letter to the Thessalonian church. If you had attended the Corinthian church and then went over to the Thessalonian church, you know what you would be saying? You would be saying, wow, this is awesome. Man, you guys are great. I mean, this is nothing like back in the Corinthian church, man. Those guys had problems. The Thessalonian church was, I mean, Paul just praised them for their faith, their hope, their love. And yet, hear what he says to the Thessalonians who were knocking it out of the park. He says, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another, for that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. High praise. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. 
we never quit growing in Christ. We never get to the depths of all that God would give us and reveal to us. And in fact, it's one of the great joys of maturing in the faith. As we mature in Christ, we discover great riches that God has poured out on us in Christ. Riches that infants have a hard time receiving, but those who are maturing. And so my invitation to you this morning, my charge to you this morning, is to continue to grow up in Christ. If you are young in the faith, if, if the Word and the Spirit and how they work together is not clear to you, I'd invite you to ask somebody whose hand you saw go up. If you don't know someone whose hand went up, you don't feel comfortable, ask me. And I will, I will get with you. I will get you with others who can walk with you because I want you to grow up. I want you to grow up and experience all that the Lord through the gospel has given to you. Let's pray. Father, your mercies are new every morning. Every morning you shower upon us grace upon grace. Father, your love is beyond our comprehension. And so, Father, we pray. We pray that by your word and spirit that you would give us greater understanding of the height and the depth and the breadth of the love that you have for us. Father, grow us up that we would be salt and light in this world, that this world too may turn and repent and know the glories of the gospel and the God who delivers forgiveness to us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.